Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest. With me today is Oscar Elaine. He is the Vice President of Cross-Cultural Strategy and Research at UM Worldwide. Oscar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It was my pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're on the show. got introduced by a mutual friend because you're doing some interesting work in this area of culture and brands, and I wanted to bring you on the show because you've got a new research report that's come out that we wanted to dive into. Let's give the audience a little bit of background about who you are, who you work for, and a little bit about your background. Perfect. Yes, my pleasure. I am VP of Cross-Cultural Insights and Strategy at UM, or, or Strategy and Research, really. A lot of what I do is I try to just be that connecting point between execution and strategy when it comes to reaching multicultural audiences in the U.S. So a lot of the studies, a lot of the things that we've been focusing on over the past, say, two years has been in trying to recreate this entire conversation about culture, about multicultural audiences, because a lot has changed just in the past 10 years alone when it comes to understanding these audiences. And I think it's time that we start reframing that conversation a little bit that goes beyond language, that goes beyond just the, the, the traditional channels that we've been talking to. So that's really what has been my focus over the past couple of years, and it's been a very exciting and fulfilling role here that I'm, I'm doing at UM. Let's dig into a little bit about some of the latest research. So my understanding is UM has come up with a, a new wave study titled Wave X Remix Culture. So let's talk a little bit about how that study came about and uh, what are some of the key findings? To start off, Wave as UM's study that's been conducted almost every year or every one or two years since 2006. And the purpose of this project has been to help us gain a better or broader understanding of the digital world, digging a little bit into social usage, social behavior, but also reasons and needs being fulfilled by social media channels. Recently, we also try to dig a little bit deeper into moments, those specific instances in which consumers are more predisposed to hearing or being reached by brands. This year was the 10th edition of this survey, and we decided to take a different spin on it and introduce the remix culture into it or quantify what was the remix culture. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about what the remix culture is. The remix culture is a framework that we created a couple of years ago to help us understand movements that were happening in culture that were being influenced by ethnic minority or growth segments. By that, obviously, I'm talking about Hispanics, Latinos, Asians, but also the LGBT community. What's interesting is that this came about as a result of us being tasked by a client. They wanted to understand what were some of these macro and micro trends that were happening among 18 to 34-year-old Latino and Black audiences. Mm -hmm. And what were some of the implications of these trends in their business? And in engaging with this exercise, we came across some interesting revelations or some larger trends, if you will, that helped us explain some 
movements that were occurring within these communities. And the result is this framework called the Remix Culture, by which we're able to observe movements in culture across four different cultural tenets. The first one is called resist, or the notion of standing up for something or standing against something that doesn't align with your values. The second pillar is called retrograde, which speaks to that sense of authenticity and nostalgia or the appreciation of simpler times. Reblocalized, which is about global reach and local connections, speaking to that fluid exchange taking place between local and global culture. And last but not least, the sense of recreate, which is mixing things up to disrupt, taking and splicing from different sources to create a solution for yourself. Hey, listeners, I wanted to pause this interview for an exciting new announcement. We are bringing back the Inside Outside Innovation Summit right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mark your calendars for October 20th through the 22nd. Tickets are on sale at theiosummit.com. We are going to have experts from the world of Disney, Facebook, American Express, Nike. All these folks are coming together to talk about innovation, disruption, startups, and the world that we live in today. Check it out at theiosummit.com, and we'll see you in October. It's pretty interesting. Talk a little bit about how did this come about from the standpoint of, did you start seeing, noticing trends or did brands come to you and say, hey, we're noticing changes in our customers themselves and we want to better be able to connect with those folks? What's some of the, the driving forces with the look at this particular aspect of culture and stuff and what have you found out? A lot of it was driven by this exercise, but what inspired it was, honestly, we are a very small group within UM that I think we're like little data scientists when it comes to trying to understand culture. A lot of what we've been focusing on, as mentioned earlier, was in trying to reframe this conversation because if you look at just the Latino segment by itself, let's say 20 years ago, when I came to this country, the imperative for me as a professional or as a student or as just an individual that was looking to succeed in society was Mm -hmm. for me to acculturate, assimilate. Yes. Be part of American culture. Fast forward those 20 years to where we are today. And the conversation more is about being unique, having that sense of identity. And a lot of it among ethnic segments is about trying to amp up on that sense of who you are based on your culture. So we were seeing a lot of that already. We just hadn't quantified it. We were looking to understand what kind of impact that sense of identity, that notion of self based on cultural or ethnicity what kind of impact that had on consumption behavior. So that was the impetus, if you will, the genesis of what led to the remix culture. We, and that's how we came to understand that whether you're Black, you're Asian, you're, you're Hispanic, you are part of a movement of a, of a generation that is more predisposed to speaking up against things that don't align with, with the values or things that are impacting your communities. Mm-hmm. You've always been someone, if you're of ethnic descent, that has more likely than not to retroculturate or retrograde back into your culture. You're also someone that has a polycultural mindset. Therefore, you're picking and choosing from all parts of the world. But, but guess what? We, we've been impacting mainstream culture for a very long time. It just hasn't been called out as such. Right. And last but not least, there's this sense of entrepreneurial spirit that has always been part of ethnic audiences that has led us to recreate or come up with new solutions for things that weren't there for us. So historically, that has been the case. And so that was, again, part of the inspiration behind the remix culture. Let's talk a little bit about what you found in the study, maybe specific case studies or examples that you see this playing out. 
a lot of what we did with this study was trying to help quantify what was this POV, this framework, this mindset that we had identified. We were trying to look at what the remix culture looked from a global perspective. And one of the things that we found is that this is not exactly or entirely generational. This is not just limited to specific subgroups and minority segments, although a mm-hmm. lot of it is being inspired. But it is a mindset that a lot of times the first by countries or is being driven by specific age cohorts in different countries. For instance, we see that in Nigeria, this is something that is driven mostly and primarily by 16 and 24 year olds. In China, 25 to 34 year olds lead the way when it comes to the remix culture or these four cultural tenets. Whereas in the United States, they can go anywhere from 16 to 44 year olds. They're the ones that are just leading this conversation. They're, they're mm-hmm. the agents of change, if you will, when it comes to the remix culture. So is this, for example, you, we saw in the news last couple of days, Wayfair and their employees took a step and walked out based on Wayfair's willingness to sell their services yeah. to the border. And that. Is this an example of this remix culture coming out to play? They're feeling more predisposed to actually just stand up against something that they don't believe in. But in terms of how brands can play into this conversation, brands have been doing this for a very long time. If you look at Nike, Nike has always played in that sandbox of resistance or being taking part of movements that are sometimes controversial. They're looking to change culture. And if you look right. at what they did with, with Colin Kaepernick and the Rad, I mean, that's a prime example of how they play within that sandbox. They've been doing that for quite some time, I guess. Yeah. When it comes to authenticity and nostalgia or retrograde, I mean, you see more than ever, you're seeing that there's this generation that are going back and forth between access to content. So Netflix, for instance, is one brand that is creating content or making content accessible from other eras. I have a 12-year-old that the other day was telling me about that she was watching The Office. I mean, she wasn't born when, when The Office was <laughs> right. was on television on NBC, but she caught it on Netflix and her friends are watching it. So again, they know that this is content that creates this sense of curiosity and, and appeals to Gen Z's sense of, of discovery. Uniqlo, for instance, recently had a program where they were tapping into local artists in the UK. That's just an example of reglocalizing, for instance. And you need to look no further than Starbucks to think about recreate. I mean, they come up with a new drink every year. Two years ago, it was about the unicorn frappuccino right. last year, or, or it was about the crystal ball frappuccino. So they're coming up with new ways of recreating the entire notion and experience of drinking uh, lattes or coffees or, or just flavored drinks. So clearly the path for a brand, you know, used to be more laid out where, you know, don't be political, talk about your features and benefits and yeah. uh, talk to that brand or that audience. And is it fact that the, the audiences are changing that are requiring this? Is it the fact that brands are becoming quote unquote woke? What do you think are some of the driving forces behind how this is all playing out? What we're seeing right now is, is that brands are feeling more encouraged to be part of the cultural conversation and consumers are expecting you as a brand to be part of that cultural conversation. The key element here is doing it the right way. I see. You see some brands and and I will refrain from mentioning that they get backlash when they try to just be part of this moving force, this, this moving train, and they completely fall flat on their face because they didn't take a specific movement seriously. And they thought that it would be solved by putting product in a consumer's hand. My point is when brands do it the wrong way, they get called out. They get right. dragged on social media. 
when they do it the right way, though, you see what happens with Nike and increases their sales. They reach this level of cultural currency where they are more accepted by consumers and it helps increase their sales. You use. So that's basically what we're seeing today when it comes to this conversation about resist. It's fascinating stuff, Oscar, and I do appreciate you coming on board to talk a little bit about some of the new things that you're seeing in this particular space. If folks want to find out a little bit more about yourself or about the, the Remix culture or UM, what's the best way to do that? People can find out more about us through umww.com. Well, Oscar, I appreciate you being on Inside Outside Innovation. Look forward to hearing more about all the new things that are going on in the world of marketing and branding, and appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Brian. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.